But on the morning when FTX exploded, I woke up and thanked the universe that that did not work out. The thing that you perceive as being the easiest, but that other people would not be able to replicate, that is the thing that you're meant to be doing. This is going to be painful. It was painful to journal, but I I did this for my own benefit basically as like a year-end reflection and there are a lot of lessons that came from it both for myself and hopefully that you can take also so I figured I might as well share it publicly. I'll start with the worst and just to be in good faith. So some of these are business decisions directly. Some of them are lifestyle decisions but still related to money. The first was Paying for an expensive apartment in Chicago that I do not spend time in. Traveled way too much for work this year and for personal reasons also, but ended up basically paying pretty high rent in a nice high rise in Chicago for an apartment that I have spent the minority of the year in. Like I did the calculation and I legitimately spent more time out of Chicago than in Chicago. So a lot of that, I wouldn't say that the money went to waste, but I could have went for a more modest apartment. And I wouldn't have felt the pain from it because I I don't spend time in this apartment anyway. The second mistake was diversifying across too many platforms. I feel like the more platforms you focus on, if you're someone who has a personal brand or you run a business, the more platforms you focus on, the, the more you dilute your focus, especially if you're early on in the stages, which I am, I'm early in the stages of building a personal brand and building this podcast. And I think it was a bad idea to diversify across too many platforms when I have not yet figured out which is the one that sticks. Moving forward into 2024, I want to focus on the one or two platforms that I truly like enjoy, like actually enjoy creating content on and the format fits the podcast. Ironically, I mean, the the number one for me that I actually enjoy spending time on is Twitter. That's where I've connected with the best people. That's where I've seen the best ideas and I've been able The tweet format for me is what spurs the most creativity. Like usually if I write a tweet about an idea, very often those tweets end up turning into entire episode ideas. So Twitter fuels my creativity a lot. It's also, I think, the best platform for networking and like meeting people. But that's just me. Like for another creator or for somebody else with a different kind of business, there may be a different platform that lends itself, that the format lends itself more to whatever business you run. But I think I want to be a little bit more focused and targeted in what I'm spending my time on when it comes to social media and digital platforms because I'm also not trying to spend an excess amount of time on those platforms relative to the amount of time that I'm actually spending making episodes. Mistake number three this year was holding on to some investments too long that I should have cut my losses on. Um, it wasn't the be- my best year for my investments. And I think that one thing I realized is I'm really bad at sunk cost policy. So I'm scared to cut my losses on something too early. I think in school, I was taught a lot like to have a very, very long-term time horizon when it comes to investing, but I'm starting to question that a little bit more. Like I still think that a long-term time horizon is best, but it can also go too far in that there hits a certain point when you just need to cut your losses and get over it and move on and not leave your money in and have it go to zero. That happened a couple times, one with like a shit coin that I will not name. And another with a, a stock that eventually went bankrupt. And I, in both of those scenarios, when I saw that it was a bad situation, I should have just cut my losses. But we live and we learn. The next mistake I made this year was saying yes too many times to guests from podcast agencies. 
if, for those of you who don't know, if you have a podcast, once it reaches a certain point that people are aware of the podcast, your email inbox is flooded. And like when I tell you flooded with emails from publicists and podcast agencies who represent guests who are on like a podcast tour, basically trying to get on as many podcasts as they possibly can. They think your podcast is a good fit. So the publicist reaches out to you, sends a basically cold email, a pitch for the guest with a deck attached with info about the guest and what they can talk to. And basically says, you know, we want this guest to be on the podcast. Would you be open to collaboration? Blah, 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 blah. Moral of the story, I said yes to too many of those. And the background is that a lot of times these cold outreaches on behalf of publicists are for guests that aren't like some of them are really random, not, not random. Like these are well-known people who a lot of them have built really interesting companies, but they're usually not very tailored to your podcast. Like these publicists and agencies are probably reaching out to hundreds of the top podcasts on their list just to see what will stick. And it's not a tailored approach. So I've gotten some ridiculous ones that I won't even get into. It'll be like someone who specializes in fucking like gardening and growing herbs at home or like something stupid. But a couple of them I was interested in and said yes to, and those have been good episodes. But also there are some that I said yes to that I kind of wish I didn't, even that I didn't end up publishing the episode for. Because if I have a conversation with somebody on the podcast who was sourced through an agency and I wasn't into the conversation, like a lot of these ended up feeling kind of forced because the person coming on doesn't know my audience or what the audience is interested in. And on the other side of things, I also don't know very much about them. So I don't have a lot of background research to fall onto for me to even drive an interesting conversation. So if it ends up being like a a bland conversation that I know my audience is not going to enjoy because I didn't enjoy it myself, like if I didn't love the conversation, there's a 0% chance that you are going to like listening to it. So some of them I didn't even publish. Some of them I published and then regretted it. But I think the biggest takeaway is that the vast majority of the time, like 98% of the time, Outreaches from these podcast agencies are bullshit, and I want to be much more selective next year in saying yes or no to them. And I I basically just made myself a promise that the majority of the time, my default answer is no. I only want to bring on guests if it is someone that I am fucking excited to talk to and want to bring on, and I sought them out. And bar those examples of like really interesting guests, I'll continue to do solo episodes because that seems to be what you guys like most. And it's also what I enjoy the most. The last bad business decision I made this year was shying away from paid advertising. This is something I want to lean into a little bit more next year. And some of the inspiration from this has been from seeing brands who I respect also do paid advertising. So the example I'll give is like, Represent Clo, George Heaton's brand. It's actually a male clothing brand from the UK that I I really love partly because the the clothes are a vibe and also because the founder's really, really good at building this story around his mission. So I see a lot of his stuff on Twitter. Really cool brand, would 100 percent recommend checking them out if you're a if you're a guy and you're into fashion. But so seeing brands like that that I represent and that I perceive as impeccable quality, like this is a luxury fashion brand. Seeing them do paid advertising and doing it well in a way that is classy and gives enough credit to the quality of the brand was an inspiration for me to also consider doing paid ads. Because I think before I had this barrier in my mind where I had this perception that a product or a project of quality does not need to be or should not be advertised. And that if I did any paid ads that I would be you know, selling myself out or cheaping out or diminishing the perceived quality of the podcast basically by saying like I need to pay people 
I need to pay to convince people to listen to this thing. And I think that that was, it was faulty thinking and it was largely informed by having a few anecdotes from companies like, you know, Tesla or LVMH who are notorious for not doing any advertising. At least they they used to be notorious for this. I think Tesla now does some ads, but seeing brands that I admire who also use paid ads and doing so successfully was a good example to see that you can, I think you can do paid advertising in a way that is classy and still more pull than push. So I've revised my opinion to think that paid advertising is not about buying customers or about buying listeners, but just about putting yourself in front of people who are already destined to love your product, but don't know about it yet. Because if you think about it, someone who's, you know, 10 degrees of separation away from you is hard to reach otherwise if you're relying purely on referrals or relying on the pure chance of like, maybe your product will come up in their algorithm. So that's something that I changed my mind on this year. And I realized maybe it was a mistake to be shying away from paid ads this year. And I will probably start experimenting with at some point in the new year. Okay, now on the fun side of things, here are some of the best business decisions that I made this year in retrospect. And this was also a good reflection to do that I'd recommend. If you have a brand or a startup, which I know a few of you do, it's a fun year-end reflection. The decisions I was happiest that I made, one was saying no to money from an investor. And that is hard. Like that is one of the hardest decisions that I made this year, hands down, but it was also the best. And I immediately felt the like a sigh of relief Taking on money from an investor, again, especially if you're early on in building a business, is tempting. It is very, very, very tempting because you immediately start to think about, you know, the growth that could come from it. You start to think about how much it could accelerate your growth to, you know, have a bit of extra money to invest in, you know, whatever the fuck it is you need to build your thing. It also is exciting and sexy that when you get your first offer from an investor because you you realize that people are interested in the thing that you're building. And that is very hard to say no to. But the other side of things, obviously, is that you will inevitably end up giving up a lot of control. And for me, I I wanted this podcast to be something that I could control myself because it's me. Like, it, it is my face. It is my voice on this thing. For me, a big part of the reason in saying no was that the the investor who wanted to collaborate I did not feel was aligned with the brand, partly because he was male, partly because he was in a different industry than me, and partly because he, we just had different tastes. And that for me was like a big red flag that there was, there was not going to be an alignment in the inspiration. Like we didn't get excited about the same things. And I think he was also primarily financially driven, which is fair. Like an investor should be, and a lot of the time they are in it, you know, to make a return on their money. But I think for me, uh, if I were to ever bring on a long-term partner for this podcast, it would be someone who's also excited about working on it for, you know, the mission and the enjoyment of the thing. Like I'm still at the stage where I'm doing this podcast because I love it and it's like a passion project and it gives me energy. And for me, it's the creative outlet that I need on the side of like a a hectic full-time job in consulting. So right now I'm still in the stage of getting better at it because I still think I'm honestly shit at doing this. The audio is shit. Like so many, there's so many parts of this podcast that I want to be done differently, but I love, I'm loving this stage of like just experimenting and slowly tweaking things and slowly making it into what I want it to be in a year, two years from now. I'm not yet at the stage where I 
need to be making money with this. I make enough money. I also think that trust is really important. I also didn't trust him. So I think if I said yes, it could have gone downhill very quickly. The second best business decision that I made this year was not transferring funds to FTX. This is the most ridiculous thing ever looking back on it. But I remember, literally, I kid you not, one month before the FTX collapse, one month, like four weeks, I opened an account. I opened an account on FTX because I heard some financial advisor type influencer who I respected talking about it. So there's a guy who I follow on YouTube who makes videos about finance and investing and who I actually admire quite a bit. He spoke about how he used FTX basically as his primary platform. So I was like, okay, I trust this guy. Maybe good to do my trading on this platform. So I opened an account. And the only reason I did not go through with actually transferring money onto FTX was because of the friction involved in basically wiring from an international account. I was in Canada at the time. It was, there was too much friction. It was like too complicated to try to wire money to basically be able to fund this FTX account that I had opened. So it was like for some stupid reason that I didn't end up or I delayed like putting funds into the account. And then like a few weeks after things started to come up in the news about this whole FTX scandal. So I shut down my account before anything happened. That in retrospect was like one of the luckiest, the the luckiest annoyances that I ran into this year. Because if it had worked out, I probably would have moved my entire crypto holdings to FTX and we know how that would have gone. I don't know if I can take any credit for that being a good business decision. It was pure chance of luck. But on the morning when FTX exploded, I woke up and thanked the universe that that did not work out. The next one I had written down here is leaning into solo episodes in the last part of the year. I think that somewhere around like the third quarter, it was like September, October, when I kind of had this click where I realized that where my momentum is, is in doing these shorter form solo episodes, like one idea in one episode, delayed gratification will change your life. Self-care is not the key to success. The one on women being more sophisticated betters. Like, I think that that was the, this click where I kind of found the format of sharing an idea, the format of an episode that works best. It comes the most naturally to me. I, it comes the easiest, ironically. And I think that the thing that comes to you, the thing that you perceive as being the easiest, but that other people would not be able to replicate, that is the thing that you're meant to be doing. Those episodes are the intersection between like how I like packaging an idea most and also what people want to hear most. And I think that that, like the middle of that Venn diagram is the thing that I should probably continue doing. So it was cool. As as soon as I had that click, like I made a couple episodes like that and I saw that they stuck and I also saw how much I loved making them and how effortless it kind of felt compared to some of the other like longer episodes that just like feel like hard work. And the decision paired with that, that I think is, was the important piece is as soon as I realized that those are the, that's the format that clicks, I leaned into them. And since then, I have done primarily those episodes, those like short form solo episodes, one idea per episode, one episode a week. And I'm just going to repeat that until death because that is what works for me. And I love those. And I just, I felt this kind of, it's like the hockey stick of acceleration of like the exponential speed and ease of doing the thing that you feel when it, things kind of click into place and then you can just go full force. So I leaned into those solo episodes in the last part of this year, and that is what I plan on focusing on from now on out, until at least I discover something that works better. 
Number, the next one is what? Number five, doing organic promo for brands that I love. I've told you guys, I don't do any sponsorships. I do not do any paid ads. I I don't monetize this podcast. However, every now and then I'll talk about a product as let's say I'm telling you guys about what I do for fitness or how I'm eating or a book that I'm reading, or I've talked a lot about like services and apps. For example, I've talked about apps that I use, some of which are paid. If I'm telling you guys about a product because I genuinely like love it and use the thing every day, what I'll often do is I'll, to share the love, I will send the link to the episode to whoever built the product, whoever started the company. Or if the company's too big to get to the person at the top, I'll figure out who like the, the manager is or like their marketing. Send them the episode just to say, hey, love your product, mention it in this episode here. Feel free to check it out. Hope this can help spread the love super short and sweet and this idea kind of comes from if anybody's gone through jack butcher's permissionless apprentice so visualize value jack butcher's agency has a a lot of material on what he calls the permissionless apprentice which is technically doing work for another company or a brand but doing it without being asked and without being paid he has a course around this and the same example is often used for let's say somebody who does freelance copywriting or computer programming or social media ads or sales, the permissionless apprentice can be used. Let's say you reach out to the brand, you send them an email that you've already written for them or an ad that you've already made for them or a poster you've already made. Or let's say even you reach out to a podcaster. Somebody could send me an email and say, I grabbed the audio from one of your episodes and I turned it into, you know, these four clips that I think you should share on TikTok. You don't have to pay me, but just thought that I would share if you ever want to work together would be happy to. So that's a way of like basically showing the value you provide or like helping somebody without the need to get anything in return, just out of good faith. Doing that repeatedly, if you're trying to build a business, often will end up getting your work in front of people and also building strong, positive relationships with people. That was the inspiration, but I didn't, I don't do this with the intent again of getting anything back. It's just that if I'm talking about a product, I assume whoever is running the company would want to hear the reviews that exist on people's podcasts or in YouTube videos. So I might as well send it to them. It doesn't hurt me, but it could make their day. I've talked about hotels, fitness studios, apps that I use, skincare products. I'll send them the link just to share the love. And it's the best way to funnel into a long-term partnership. And it also feels more authentic just to share the things with people that I actually love and use and not the things that I was paid to say that I love and use. Before I stop recording, I wanted to give you guys one little bonus that was um, the best lifestyle decision I made this year. Not necessarily business related, but one of the things I'm happiest, happiest that I consciously decided to do this year was optimizing for time spent in Europe. Both for vacation and for business, I spent as much time as I physically possibly could in Europe this year. And what it led to is me, one, actually enjoying my life more. I spent a lot of time in Portugal, which I had never been to before, in Spain to visit Sahar, a lot of time in Italy for work. I went back home to Bulgaria. So a mix of new places and old places that are familiar to me. What it resulted in is me, one, actually enjoying my life more. And two, funny enough, it made me more productive in my work. Because if you're in, if all of your friends are in North America and you go and fuck off to Europe to work for X amount of months... Like nobody can bother you. There's no excuse then to be productive and get a horrendous amount of work done because it's forced solitude. So with the exception of spending time with colleagues between Monday and Friday, when it came to the weekends, which is when I work on like anything 
extra. Like for me, the stuff that matters, forcing solitude and like physically isolating yourself in a different country is the biggest hack to be productive because you can't even, you can't spend time on anything else even if you wanted to. Because there was a lot less time spent socially, like when I'm in Chicago, my friends are going to be coming over. I'm going to go grab a drinks with people. I'm going to go get coffee with people. There was a lot less of that in the time that I was in Europe. So the periods that I spent there were just full heads down focus on work. And it also gave me the flexibility of like when I came back to Chicago, not feeling guilty, kind of using the time in Chicago to catch up with people, but knowing that that's the time for it. And then whenever I was back in Europe, just going straight back towards work. That was good. I think in general in my life, I should probably optimize for the maximum amount of time spent in the places that I love and that it's just where I feel good. Like there are also places where I hate being. Like there were some places I traveled for work earlier in the year that were absolutely horrendous, but that's valuable too because it teaches me more of where I want to spend my life and where I do not want to spend my life. So when it comes to, when it comes time for me to start looking for properties or for where to settle down with a family, I know the general direction of where I'm going. Those again were the best and worst business decisions that I made this year. This was kind of an impromptu episode. I I journaled it for my own sake. So I figured I would share and hope that you took something from it. I'll talk to you next week. I'm literally driving on the fucking 401 right now. And no joke, I can't fucking explain to you how many times I missed the motherfucking exit because I'm just distracted. Like, usually, like, I'll listen to, like, podcasts when I'm, like, driving, like, back and forth on the highway. I don't know what it is, man. I was listening to your podcast, and I'm, like, so fucking invested in the podcast and in my own thoughts that I have missed the motherfucking exit three times. Anyways, um, I wanted to reach out. I'm sending a voice memo because I'm driving, even though I shouldn't even be on my phone. But anyways, I'm sending you a voice to let you know that I absolutely loved this episode so much and I relate to it so fucking much. Anyways, I hope you're thriving and doing amazing. I love you lots.